really don't know because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. Yes, welcome into the We Never Played the Game podcast. Zach Klein, sports director of WSB Channel 2, along with my man Jeffrey Schultz, the lead sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I am back in Atlanta. Jeff remains on the West Coast to uh, get busy with the Falcons. But first, Jeff, let's uh, talk about the event where you and I hung out for for a week, the Rose Bowl, the 104th edition of the Rose Bowl. And I've been asking folks, Jeff, because I was, you know, we were so close to the game that right. for those that were outside it, was this one of the greatest sporting events ever, one of the greatest games ever. And those outside, you know, friends in Chicago, D.C., Boston, they said, yeah, who have, they have no allegiance to Georgia or Oklahoma. They said it was one of the greatest games ever. A week removed almost from this. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, no question. Um, Zach, it wasn't just a great game by two great teams. And, and I give a lot of respect to Oklahoma because I, you know, I, I honestly, um, I, I probably have some built-in biases against the, against the Big 12 just just because I don't think it's the greatest conference in the world and they don't play, you know, they didn't play a championship game before this year. And, um, but I, I was really impressed by them. I was really impressed by how hard their players play. I was impressed by Baker Mayfield for all the crap that he took from people. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was a real stand up guy. And, uh, but yes, back to your question, I, I thought it was a great game, not just because, the obvious excitement factor of, you know, going back and forth and all those points, which is fun to watch, but because of the stage, right. you know, I think that's what really, you and know, what like was, if, that, what was on the line? if that game's in week three, then, then it's like, okay, that was a great game. And then you forget about it, but you, right. nobody's going to forget about this. <laughs> no, no one's going to forget about it. I was telling my kids, you know, I will be a hundred years, six feet under, they will play replays <laughs> of that game. And I will be in those final moments where Sony Michelle basically gave me a kiss on the field. Uh, it was awesome video, the way it unfolded. I'm just thinking, Oh my God, Sony's coming our way and he's going to end this game. The way it went back and forth, the way it uh, concluded, um, you know, Roquan Smith, you know, stuffing that running back on third and two that, you know, forced him to kick a field goal in that first overtime. There were just so many clutch plays, whether it was Rodrigo Blankenship with the career-long 55-yarder to Jake Fromm. And, it's, I mean, we could go so many different directions right now, Schultz. The fact that Jake Fromm had, you know, a higher quarterback percentage um, a completion percentage, had a better quarterback rating, uh, didn't throw any interceptions, and he is – no one is talking about Jake Fromm. No, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, he's flying under the radar. It's hard. It's, it's unfathomable. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I'll I'll give you uh, I'll give listeners a little behind the scenes peek here. So of course everybody up in the press box is trying to hammer on deadline and this and that. And I I honestly never had a chance to go downstairs because of my deadline situation. And a bunch of guys came back up and they were all talking. And like one guy turns to another and said, "Hey, did anybody talk to Fromm?" <laughs> <laughs> and and you know a couple people did, but it was it it was sort of funny um, how he sort of slid into the background with all the other stuff that had happened. And he referred to 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 many of the of the players. And and so I I kind of felt obligated to write a follow column, which I did the next day, just saying, you know what, this guy maybe didn't make his quite as many huge plays as Baker Mayfield made in the game, but he played better. He made fewer mm-hmm. mistakes and he made plays that won the game. Um, you know, a couple of big completions and, 
and throwing a block on the on the Sony Michelle touchdown, by yep. the way. Um, and and I don't think now I still don't think it's one of those games where you necessarily want him to be chucking the ball all, all over the field. I mean, Georgia's still a running offense. But I think the one thing Jake Fromm showed us in the game is he can win the game if Georgia needs him to help win the game. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, on that final drive where they tie it up, you know, they had third and 10 on the Oklahoma 23-yard line. A, a field goal wouldn't have forced overtime. They needed a touchdown, and the dude hooks up with uh, Terry Godwin for 16 yards to get him a first down the next play. Um, you know, they, they get it in there and, and tie it up at 45. So it, just what he was able to do, the touchdown pass to Wims, those big completions towards the end of the game, scrambling for first downs. And as you mentioned, in the biggest game of his life he did not turn the ball over and we talked about it in the podcast leading up to this hey Jake doesn't need to win the game just don't lose it well he didn't lose it obviously but he put them in position to win and uh, he's exceeded every one of my expectations for this youngster to come in so much poise uh, so prepared so professional and you know the stage we've talked it just does not he just he handles it so well man um, you know, it, it's make it it's easier when you get your two running backs combined for like 300 yards on the ground or something like that. Uh, but the way he just, just just stood his ground and didn't succumb to the pressure, man, my hat's off to him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think we saw all year that the stage didn't necessarily rattle him. Even in Notre Dame, when he made a couple of mistakes in his first start, you know, the fumble and, and, and those things, he he wasn't. He just made mistakes. It's not because he was nervous. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think he just sort of continued that in this game. And, you know, kudos to, by the way, to Jim Cheney, the offensive coordinator, and Kirby Smart for bringing Fromm along. You could tell as the season went on, they added more and more to the offense. They gave him more and more responsibility. Uh, he went through checks better and better and his progression better and better as the season went on. And And you saw what happened basically, you know, this past Monday. We'll get to the national championship game in Alabama for in a moment. First, I want to talk about the reason why you stayed on the West Coast. Uh, Falcons open up the playoffs. Um, you know, everybody talks about you know it was a down year, the hangover. They were the only team in the NFC to make the playoffs a year ago to return to the playoffs in 2017, and they did that on the last day of the regular season. So hard to get in the postseason, but they are there. Clean slate, opening it up Saturday against the Rams. You've been out in L.A., you've been talking to uh, Sean McVay, Alec Ogletree, Todd Gurley. You've listened to what the Rams have to say. How do you think this one shakes out? You know, i am kind of gone back and forth, Zach, because the Rams remind me a little bit of the Falcons last year. They're a young team. They're aggressive. They're they're really confident. They believe in their young coach. And they lead the team in score. They lead the league in scoring. Does that sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like it's the Falcons a year ago. Right. Um, I don't necessarily think the Rams are playing at the level the Falcons played out last year, but that's kind of their that's kind of the mode they're in right now. Now, the flip side is, I think there's only six players on this roster who've ever played an NFL playoff. Yeah, I, I thought and, I saw four. But either, yeah, four. Way, Maybe it's four. Either yeah, way, it's either, less than ten. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, and I think the Falcons are what, like twenty six or something. Yes. I mean, it's basically certainly uh-huh. everybody who was on the roster last year. Correct. And 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 I I do think that experience factors in at some point in the game. Um, I you know the question is, and it's the question, same question we've been asking all year is. When when are the quote unquote Falcons going to show up? And when you ask that question, it's it's talking about the offense from a year ago. I don't think the offense from a year ago necessarily is ever going to show up. 
I think they just have to be more productive and they have to certainly be better in the red zone. Their red zone numbers are way down from last year. Um, I think they ranked 27th or 23rd or something like that in the NFL right now at like 50% in terms of their touchdown red zone percentage last year, they were around 65% significantly higher. Um, I, this week I, I am leaning toward the Falcons. The, the Rams are about a six point favorite. Um, but there are two things about the Rams. I'm just not sure of one is Jared Goff, their quarterback, very good quarterback, but I, I don't know. I'm just not picking up a great vibe from him this week. Um, and, and a young inexperienced guy in this game and against the Falcons defense, which is playing really well, um, you know, the, the offensive problems on the team have sort of overshadowed the fact that the defense has been really good this year, even though they haven't gotten a lot of turnovers, they've been really solid. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of leaning toward the Falcons because of the defense. The other, the other thing, uh, that I'm not sure I like about the Rams is, is, is their defense. I think the Falcons can hit some big plays against them, which is something that they've lacked this year. So that's sort of the way I'm going right now. I'm not exuding a lot of confidence in it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but leaning one way or another, I'd like the Falcons to win this now, game. The Rams do have arguably the greatest defensive uh, you know, lineman in the game in Aaron Donald. That guy's an absolute load. But overall, I, I think the Falcons' defense is playing at a high level right now. But to me, it's what Falcon team shows up. is the one that manhandled the Packers, uh, that played so well against Dallas, won on the road in Seattle, you know, beat the Buccaneers at home by a couple touchdowns. Or is the one that just got embarrassed at New Orleans, who lost ugly to Miami, who lost ugly to Minnesota. So, uh, you know, they've been so high at at some times and look fantastic. And they just had some very brutal performances, uh, especially late in the year. That New Orleans game was just so ugly when they had a chance to clinch. And then obviously they got it done. But Matt Bryant with those five field goals in the win of Carolina. Uh, So I do like the Falcons, not too confident in it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned those um, inexperience. Again, I think I saw four players on the Rams roster with experience. I think it was a total of 20-something games where basically the entire Falcons roster was on that Super Bowl run, and they have nearly 200 games of combined experience uh, in in the postseason. And they have experience when it matters most of the quarterback position, Matt Ryan, Obviously, Julio on, on the wing and Devontae have been in these big games. So when it all comes down to it, I think the Falcons win on the road and then move to Philly, and we can get in that to next week. All right, Schultz, now let's uh, turn our attention to the game here in Atlanta on Monday night. All eyes will be on our city for the national championship game. We know the winner will come out of the SEC, but the question is, what division will claim the national championship? Will it be Alabama out of the SEC West? Or the Georgia Bulldogs coming out of the SEC East. So, Versac, let me just as as you said that, I just reflected back to an earlier podcast that we did before the season started, and I said Georgia was going. I predicted Georgia was going to win the SEC East. Yes, and and I predicted they were going to beat Alabama in the SEC title. <laughs> right, you obviously, did. <laughs> obviously, one of those things. Obviously, one of those things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But somehow, here we are, Georgia playing Alabama anyway just a couple games later than, than maybe I'm sure anybody expected. Um, and, you know, I've gone back and forth on this. You and I were talking the other day. I said I'm probably leaning toward Alabama. But the more I thought about it and, and what, what we were just talking about and what I was talking about with Jake Fromm is I'm, I kind of like Georgia this game. Um, their defense has been good all year. I don't think that's going to change all of a sudden. Uh, and, and obviously I'm saying that coming off a game in which they, they got shredded early. <laughs> Gave up 48 Oklahoma. points. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you saw what happened early in the second half of that game. Mm-hmm. You saw you saw after halftime how they turned things around, and and Oklahoma has a better offense than than Alabama has. Now the other thing is, you know, I think most people in this game would have given the edge to Alabama's quarterback over over Georgia's quarterback simply because of the experience factor and the fact that he'd been there before. Um, I think we just saw something in the Rose Bowl that that sort of illustrates how far Jake Fromm has come along and that the and that the Georgia offense isn't handicapped anymore. It's not one-dimensional anymore. So when I factor in both Georgia's defense and the fact that Georgia's offense now is playing at a high level or can play at a high level, even though obviously they're not going to score as many points against Alabama as they did against Oklahoma, um, I kind of like Georgia this game. So if I had to pick, if I was in a sports book right now, honestly, I'd probably turn the other direction and just sit down and watch the game. Right. <laughs> and, not, <laughs> and not put any money on the game. Have an adult beverage probably, and sit back, yes. Yeah, I'd probably do the same thing for the Falcon game. These, these are two games I just really would not wager if I was in a sports book. However, um, because this isn't even worth Bitcoin here on our, on our <laughs> broadcast— <laughs> Um, and it's not worth anything. I'm, I'm, I'll pick Georgia this game. Yeah, I, I like, I like the Georgia pick, Jeff, and and, he, and here's why. I mean, you have two def, uh, defenses that are ranked in the top six in the country. You have two offenses that are ranked in the top, you know, 17 in the country. They're so evenly balanced. But I just think this is Georgia's just on a magical run. This is a season that will go down. Um, you know, you start from from the off season with those four guys: Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, um, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, Sony Michelle. All these guys deciding to you know to come back for one final year to turn the fate of the program around. And it, it, I think you just, it, the way you win at Notre Dame, you have this thing at the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, and don't give me this crap about Nick Saban never losing to one of his assistants. There's a reason those assistants got jobs because they were. Rebuilding programs and took over for teams that weren't at Alabama's caliber. That's not the case exactly. with Georgia. Okay, so exactly. that's that. Throw it out the window. Um, you know, and Jake Fromm, he he has proven to me time and time again he can handle the stage. I mean, the throws that he was making in the Rose Bowl were crisp. Uh, yeah, he was so amped up early, hit a couple guys that uh, were a little, a little too much juice on him, and uh, I, I think he'll be fine. I, I, and this is again, this is you know, it's Notre Dame. It's uh, the SEC championship game, and it's the Rose Bowl. This will be another home game for the Bulldogs. They have traveled so well through the entire season. So when you add the home game, you add the running backs, you add the way the defense is playing in Roquan Smith, and you add just like this this sixth sense, this magical feel about the season, I think you encompass it all together, and Georgia claims their first national championship since 1980. It's been an amazing run, and I just see it ending with that fairy tale ending. You know, Kirby hoisting that 26-and-a-half-inch you know, gold-plated trophy into the air as the confetti falls. That's how I, th- I think it unfolds. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I will say this. I, I don't want, if there's one factor, and I should have said this earlier, if there's one factor I'm concerned about with Georgia, it's, it's the fatigue factor. Um, it was, that obviously was a very emotional and, and, and certainly you know, physical game to some degree against Oklahoma and they had to fly back from the West coast, which is something Alabama didn't have to do. It's kind of funny when I heard Nick Saban complaining about, well, we really should have, you know, eight to 10 days off. Between yeah. games. Okay. Okay. Well, number one, this is a playoff system. This is right. how things work in the yeah. playoffs. And number two, you had to go from new Orleans to Alabama. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Georgia had to go from L.A. back to Alabama. Okay, so let me ask you about that. Let me ask you about this. You mentioned the the the, the factor and the toll it took on uh, the players in terms of the, the travel. But so why do you think then, um, head coach Kirby Smart is 
this we're taping this on Friday. He is taking his team from Athens. They're going to bus to Atlanta. They're going to check into the hotel at 6.15 Friday evening. They're going to wake mm-hmm. up in the morning. They're going to have media day from 9 to 10 a.m. at Phillips Arena. And, Jeff, then they're busing back to Athens to practice. Why not, if you're worried about your fatigue factor, if you're worried about these guys you know, getting off their feet, why the hell are you busing back to Athens to practice there? Now, I know there's no way they want to practice at Georgia Tech in the bubble there. That's not going to happen. But why don't you practice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Why are you making the hour and 15-minute drive to Athens, practice there, and then drive back to Atlanta to get ready for Sunday. I, I, that, you know, if that's the factor, if he's really worried about it, the fatigue, I don't think he does that. So I'm not, obviously I'm not there. I didn't have a chance to ask Kirby that question. This is just my guess from the outside. If it was up to Kirby, there would be no media day. Okay. And I don't say that as a bitter media guy. I just say that knowing football coaches mm-hmm. and, and his, his objective would be to keep players out of, I mean, he, he would rather there be no access at all this week. Right. He wants he wants to keep players in his bubble um, in Athens um, as as secluded as possible, which is which is impossible to be secluded with the atmosphere because everybody's turning on a TV and a radio or something like that. But the idea of bringing him back is, OK, it's an hour and a half bus ride. It's not like that's going to wear him out. Let's go in because we have to do this media day. Let's get out. Let's get back home. Let me let me make sure these guys are getting the rest they need. I'm, I don't want to stay in a hotel downtown where somebody might be tripping an alarm. Um, <laughs> I just, I just want, you know, cause that crap happens all the sure, time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want anybody sneaking out in the middle of the night just to be, cause it only takes one guy out of 90 to, for a major news story to break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and suddenly there's a guy, you know, out on the street at an hour or in a place he's not supposed to be. So, I totally get that. I'm not. I, again, I wasn't. I wasn't even aware of it till you said that because mm-hmm. I'm not out there. But I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, and if it was up to Kirby, they wouldn't even be coming in for a press conference. Sure. Yeah. I'm. I'm totally with you there. And that's why everybody's like, I can't believe Kirby and the guys aren't talking this week. You know, leading. No, Kirby will do the minimum. No. I don't blame him. You have a short turnaround no. to prepare. You got in. Absolutely. You know, eight in the morning uh, on, on Tuesday. Uh, you had Wednesday to get ready. Thursday. And now you're practicing uh, Friday in um, Athens, heading to Atlanta. Media Day Saturday, going back to Athens to practice and then coming back to Atlanta. So I think he's got a good pulse on his team, Jeff, obviously. And I think he realizes, I think if, you know, this is the best for them. Um, as, as you, I was just, you know, if, if we're worried about them being, you know, travel logged and weary and, you know, sluggish, I think going and being in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a bus, even though it is a luxury bus and you're getting a police escort for three hours round trip, that, uh, you know, he's not as worried about their, their sluggish, you know, bodies as we are. And, you know, shoot, the guys are 18 years old. Give them some Red Bull and some, you know, M&Ms and get that sugar <laughs> rush and, and they'll be fine. Um, enjoy the Falcon game, my man. Um, the playoffs are here. Uh, fly back safely to Atlanta. And then I will see you Monday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, for the 2018 National Championship in Georgia and Alabama. It's going to be a fun weekend. Sounds great. We're looking forward to it. All right, Jeff. Thank you, and thank you for listening to the We Never Play the Game podcast. For Jeff, I'm Zach. We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great week.